I saw how businesses were wasting money. I saw how how much attorneys were overcharging for their services. And I just knew that there was a big void. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. This is going to be a really important episode for every single one of you out there that is an entrepreneur because it's all about protecting yourself. I'm going to sit down with Andrea Sager, who has totally and radically changed the way you hire and pay for your IP attorneys, your intellectual property attorneys. Now, we're going to talk about what type of IP you have to protect. I bet a lot of you are in the dark about that. We're going to talk about what risks there are to pictures and songs and everything else that you use and you think is harmless that it'll come back to bite you. I know it certainly has come back to bite me. So I tell that story in there and Lori and I had to pay thousands of dollars to settle something that you know we thought we're just using a a picture we're allowed to use. And so we're going to do a real deep dive in what you should be aware of as an entrepreneur as you start to create this intellectual property and as you start to grow and market your business. Now, Andrea is the perfect person to be talking to about this because she herself is a serial entrepreneur. Yes, she's an attorney that worked at the big firm before she came home to do her own thing, but she had always been interested in entrepreneurship. She even ran a women's clothing boutique while in law school. So she gets you. She understands you. She knows what you're going through. She also knows that you don't want to blow the budget on an IP attorney. It's one of the craziest things I have to spend money on, right? You feel like you're spending money on nothing. So she understands that. And that is why she created her new model of protecting your stuff. Now, what's really cool is she's only been operating in this new model for about a year. And in that year's time, she's quickly become the go-to IP attorney for modern day entrepreneurs. She specializes in that solopreneur. She specializes in that person with that new startup that doesn't have a lot of money to direct in uh, this direction yet. So this will probably be one of the most important, one of the episodes that you learn the most from, and quite honestly, probably one of the most entertaining ones because you're going to hear of a couple of mistakes that we've all made. So dial in, listen up, get ready because this episode is important. All right, Andrea, thank you so much for being on. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Are you kidding me? I'm excited. I I literally had no idea that somebody like you who could make you know, protecting your property, IP, like so simple for the average beginner entrepreneur. Because I'm telling you, I have spent thousands, I mean, thousands a month, probably tens of thousands of dollars in trying to protect our intellectual property. And I've even made a couple of mistakes on the other end too. So we'll get into all that. But this is one of the most valuable topics that we could talk about uh, for all of my audience. So I'm excited to get into this. Thank you. Me too. So here's what I do on my show. I typically start with rapid fire just because it's a fun way to help my listeners get to know you in a hurry. And if there's something really good that comes back, you know, comes up, we can circle back around and do a deep dive on it. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. We're going to start real easy. Where'd you grow up? Pasadena, Texas. And where do you live now? 
I live in Deer Park, Texas. <laughs> Texas, born, raised, and staying, yeah. huh? Well, I was gone for eight years and I just made it back this past summer. Oh, so very, I'm super excited. Very cool. I was just in Austin. Great area. Yes, it is. All right. So favorite quote? Oh, gosh. I think it would have to be everything happens for a reason. It's super cliche, but it's something that I've always fall, fallen back on. Like when something something bad's going on, I just remember like this is happening for a reason. There's a reason it's happening and you're going to make it through it. Mm, I love it. What is one of your superpowers? Oh, making things happen. What is making one of your favorite books? I think it's I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Because I think it's the book that actually really opened me up to finance and really the entrepreneur industry. I It's not an entrepreneur book, but that's really what opened my eyes to knowing you don't have to live like everybody else. Like, there's other options out there. I haven't heard of that book. I'm going to read that one. What is one thing you're challenged by right now? Oh, growing a team. Like Right now, I'm a complete solo attorney. And I'm trying to build a team slowly just to make sure I do it the right way. But I've built a team before in a previous business. And it's, it's just one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, it really is. It's tough to get right. We've, we've put lots of cool little hacks in place to get it right. But boy, it's been a journey. Favorite advice you've ever given? Always have a plan. Always have a plan. Because even if you don't go according to plan, at least you have something you're working towards. So good. I totally agree. A couple more. Who is someone who has changed your life? My husband. He is he's the all-time greatest. He oh, has changed my life for the better. So cool. What is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments thus far? I think it's just knowing and being able to say that I left the regular nine to five job and I'm making it work as an entrepreneur. Way to go. One thing you changed from your past. I think just waiting to actually go out on my own and be an entrepreneur. What is something generous you've done recently? I'm a big tipper. We we eat out a lot and I've been in the service industry. I still am, but I've waited tables. So I always have a soft spot for waiters and waitresses. That's awesome. I have a really cool theory on tipping we might get into later. And last but not least, what are you grateful for today? The show. I'm super excited about this. Awesome. Me too. Okay. So let's take it a little bit deeper right now. Now, you've created an amazing, much needed niche. And when I say much needed, I mean for myself and for all of the other people out there with, let's call it small business. Um, you've quickly become one of the go-to attorneys for IP, You know, for the modern day entrepreneur. And you've kind of always been this serial entrepreneur. And that's why you understand what we need today. So why don't you give us the backstory behind how you ended up here. Yeah, so I started my first business in law school. I started my own online boutique, which you see those pop up every day. And I started selling clothes online. And then I opened my own brick and mortar store. And then I also started working at a large law firm. And the two, it was doing the two was just a really bad idea. And I got very overwhelmed very quickly. But I, luckily, I was able to sell my business. And then I also knew... I mean, I was not happy at my job at all. I saw how businesses were wasting money. I saw how, how much attorneys were overcharging for their services. And I just knew that there was, there, there was a big void. Because I would have... 
I would have small business owners contact me weekly, mainly boutique owners, fashion designers. They would contact me asking for help. And I would say, yeah, I can help you, but you're going to have to pay these ridiculous prices. And they didn't want to pay it. They couldn't afford it. And then I clearly remember one day I actually had one client who was like, yeah, you know what? I need the help. Let's do it. So I was excited. I mean, I'm a first year attorney at a big firm bringing in business. So, you know, I'm thrilled. I I think the firm's going to be happy. And then (laughs) the guy who is in charge of bringing on new clients who like does the background checks and everything, he comes in and basically berates me for bringing in this so-called low quality client. And I was just amazed at how how much they didn't care. They didn't care about small businesses and they didn't want to help them. So it was literally that moment where I knew there was a void, a humongous void in the, in the industry. And I knew that I could be the one to fill it. So after seven months of being at that firm, I left and we picked up, moved back home across the country to Houston. And we are now here and I'm seven months in and I cannot believe that I'm actually able to help small business owners every day protect their brand. Wow, I freaking love this story. It's when I started out saying it's so needed, it is so needed. So, you know, Lori and I, for all of our companies, we spend thousands of dollars a month right now in just stuff. I don't even know why I'm spending it, right? <laughs> it's just our, our attorneys are in New York and their hourly is insane. And the bill shows up every month and I hand it to my assistant and I'm like, pay this please with some kind of like grumpy thing I'll say around it. And I couldn't even tell you if I'm getting screwed or not. I just know it's really, really expensive. And we're not like doing anything new right now in terms of protecting any additional IP. So what you're doing, taking the intimidation and the expense out of it, is really much needed for online type employees. Who is your niche? Like, Who are you for and who are you not for? So I originally started in, seven months ago. My only customer was fashion retailers and designers. And that I basically fell in there because that's who I was. That's my That was my previous business. I had that whole network. But now I'm to the point where I'm starting to branch out and I'm Basically, I've been, I have been—I don't want to say I market myself to everyone, but I market myself to the modern day entrepreneur, the online entrepreneur, somebody who is virtual. I'm virtual. And I like to tell people that because they don't have to pay for a fancy office. They don't have to pay for me to go and sit at a desk when they can pay for me to sit on my couch. And I love it because there's so many different brands and there's so many different industries within the online entrepreneurship community that it's just it's just incredible that I get to actually help these people. So as an entrepreneur yourself, what's been your biggest challenge in making this shift from the big law firm to your new business model? So the biggest shift is not having an assistant. I I had a, the most wonderful assistant at the big firm and she she would do every little thing. And I, I mean, oftentimes I didn't need her to do stuff for me, but I felt bad because she was like, well, give me some work, give me some work. And now I'm doing every little thing by myself, which is fine because like I said, I'm, I'm still trying to grow that team. I'm trying to figure out what I need and I'm doing everything myself because I want to have those systems in place and know exactly what needs to be done when I am ready finally in that position to bring an assistant, bring on more attorneys. And I'm hoping early 2019 is when I'll start to bring 
those other team members on. Very cool. So people listening probably don't realize the importance of protecting their intellectual property. And equal to that on the other side, they don't realize how dangerous it is to accidentally use somebody else's because they can end up paying through the nose as a result. So I'm going to use myself as as an example. (laughs) Um, A handful of years ago, we had tons of cooking blogs up, right? My wife did. And our assistant at the time went out and got mostly paid for pictures and had taken (laughs) a couple of pictures that apparently weren't paid for or as it's starting to turn out, we're like one of these on one of these free sites, like take our pictures, they're free. Yeah. And then they come back around years later and they're like, you're using our IP, you owe us this much. And we are literally going through this right now. And that assistant is long gone, by the way, but nonetheless, it's our responsibility (laughs) now. So people don't realize you can't just take pictures off the internet and put them into your marketing. You can't just take these other things. You have to be really careful. What should people be most careful of right now? Yeah. So the pictures are a huge thing because everybody thinks they can go to Pinterest, Google, and find pretty pictures and use them for their own business. And that's not the case. Like you said, I mean, it's 100% copyright infringement. If you or your employee did not take the picture, that is not your photo to use and it is copyright infringement. So that is, I would say that is the number one issue going going around right now amongst online entrepreneurs because they're DIYers. So they wanna they're on a budget, they want to save money. And so they they can go, they think they can go to Pinterest or Google, look for certain photos, look for certain whatever to help their site, their Instagram, their Facebook. But if they're using those photos for commercial purposes to post them on their like their business Facebook, their business Instagram or their business website, that's copyright infringement and they can get sued for it. Now, I'm not saying they are going to get sued, but it's copyright infringement, it's legal, and they can definitely get sued for it. So should they be afraid? I mean, here, this is years later, someone's coming back and I now owe them thousands of dollars for the couple of pictures that our assistant lifted unknowingly. Should people be walking around afraid? And and what can they do if they know that they might have used some pictures and some marketing or products or e-courses or whatever it is that uh, maybe they didn't pay for or get the rights to? Now, I don't want to scare anybody, but yes, they should be afraid just because it's a serious issue and some people get in trouble because they don't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And they, because they just think, oh, I, I just used this picture, but that's it. Like, it's not yours. It's not your photo. So that that's a, it's hard to get across to people to actually understand the seriousness of copyright infringement. So if you are currently using photos that are, you did not take or you did not purchase like so Getty they're a pretty reputable site you really need to find a reputable site to purchase from or pay a photographer take your own so-called stock photos take your own headshots and yes it costs money it costs more than stealing a photo from Pinterest or Google but you're going to be paying a lot less money now than you are down the road when you find out that you infringed on somebody else's picture and you are paying them thousands of dollars. Yep. I'm a walking example of that right now. So I hope people take this seriously. Now you said reputable website. Um, We suspect this picture came from one of these free websites, like use our pictures, we don't mind. And then they come around because I did a little bit of research and they come back around a couple of years later and they say, hey, you didn't have the right to use this. Show us your proof. Have you seen that scam out there? And how can people know if it's a reputable website or not? So I have not personally dealt personally or had any clients actually encounter this, but I I have heard of it. And 
if it's a free site, you will want to definitely read the fine print because that will be that will tell you whether you really do have the rights or not. Sometimes the websites provide you maybe a limited license only for personal use, not for business use. So that's something you need to watch out for. And when I say reputable, it most of the time they're they are paid sites. There are a few reputable sites. I know one reputable site that I have heard good things about is pexels.com. I know they are free. They've had some good websites. I haven't heard anything bad coming about from them, but I would definitely steer clear of if you haven't heard about the website, definitely ask about it. I mean, this day and age, I mean, everybody's got their own business. Most likely, you you know somebody who's using stock photos, whether paid or free, so you can get some recommendations on who is a reputable website. So let's flip the script. Let's talk about being on the other side. How does somebody know if they should be protecting their e-course or their pictures or their their anything? You know, what should we be protecting, and what do we not have to worry about? Yeah. So basically, if you're creating something, you need to protect it. Everybody is becoming an entrepreneur. Everybody's becoming an online entrepreneur. So everybody has access to what you're creating. And that's great. But you don't want to become the person that's known as not protecting their stuff because then everybody will use you. Everybody will come and steal your your material. And you may think, oh, well, I don't want to be the person who goes and sues everybody. You don't have to be the person that sues everybody. You just have to be the person that lets people know what they're doing is not okay. I have clients right now who who come to me and they want their stuff protected, but then they say, but I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be too mean to people. You know, I have a good reputation. And then I tell them, you're so tell them you're not the one that's being mean to people. Tell them your attorney is being mean to people because I'm the one who's protecting your brand. I'm the one who's letting them know what they're doing is illegal. And we don't go and sue everybody, but we do send them a cease and desist letter. We will let them know, hey, you know what you're doing isn't right. It's illegal. Either it's copyright infringement, it's trademark infringement. So you really, you have to remove this content. And if it's a larger company or somebody that's making money and it or if it looks like they're making money then my client will demand a settlement otherwise if it's a smaller company who isn't really making money then we just demand that they remove the content so people don't realize that they don't have to be the the quote bad guy but they do have the right to stand up for themselves and that's kind of where you come in yeah and the the number one thing i tell my clients is to educate because if you like if somebody comes to me and they say, "Hey, so and so is ripping off my design," or you know, somebody has stolen this from me, well, I then ask, "Well, have you reached out to them yourself?" Because if they haven't, chances are they may not be aware that they're infringing, whether it be a copyright infringement or a trademark infringement. And yes, I can send them, you know, a letter for a couple of hundred dollars. But if they're a small company, if they're a new company, they may not know that they're infringing. So you can, if you have the time and you know you're on a budget, then reach out yourself. Let them know, hey, you know this is my content, this is my design, my photo, whatever it be. Let them know that's yours and try to give them a little background and say, hey, just want to let you know this is copyright infringement or it's trademark infringement. It's illegal that you use it. You know, I, I ask that you please take it down or change your name or whatever it be, just change it to where it's you're no longer infringing on my material. And 
If they comply, great. You have saved yourself a couple of hundred dollars. And if they don't comply, then that's when I step in and I basically let them know, hey, this is a serious matter. It needs to be taken care of. And I've actually had, um, just this week, I had a party who I sent a letter to. Their attorney was trying to be a hard ass and say, well, you know, my client complied right away, blah, 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 blah. And little did the other attorney know that his client did not comply because that's why that's the only reason why I had stepped in was because their their client didn't comply. So just if you receive a request like that, just comply with it. Yeah. Because it, it You're can on save the losing you money. End. Yeah. Absolutely. Like don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. Totally. So um let's talk about social media. Has this changed what we have to be concerned about, you know, using other people's quotes, maybe using other people's parts of their books, maybe, you, you know, just for in like our captions and in our quote tiles and all that stuff. Is there anything we have to be careful of when we're sharing on social media? Yes and no. So the Copyright Office specifically states short quotes and phrases are not copyrightable. They are not protected by copyright laws. And reason being is because they are typically everyday phrases. They're just common phrases that we use. So if it's a short common phrase, a quote that you're using, you know, on Instagram, Facebook, get some likes here and there, typically it's no big deal. The issue is when it's called it's called a source identifier. So say you're using song lyrics. And I and I come up, I come into this a lot with t-shirt designers because sometimes they want to use song lyrics on a t-shirt. Well, phrases Short common phrases, they're often free game just because they're common everyday phrases and they're not creative enough to be copyrighted. However, if the phrase is unique and it is an identifier of that song or that book or whatever it may be, then it is copyright infringement. So if you're not sure, ask a couple of friends, say, hey, you know, what do you think of when you hear this quote? And if they all say this, you know, that book, that song, whatever, then it might, it's probably copyright infringement and you might want to stay clear. Mm. Now, if you're using it on your personal Instagram, your personal Facebook, it's probably not something you need to worry about just because there's no recovery there. Copyright infringement is purely for commercial purposes. You can use it for personal use. So don't worry about it. Like, I don't want to freak everybody out that's listening. If you're just using it for personal use, it's not something to worry about. But when you are using it for your business, even if it's just, you know, you're using it as a quote on your business Instagram, that could be considered commercial use. So what should we as entrepreneurs be aware of that I have not brought up yet? Is there anything lurking in the dark? So trademarks, this is another big one because you have new online businesses popping up every single day. And some of those businesses do not do their due diligence when it comes to picking a new brand name. They pick a name they think is unique to them. Maybe they search Google. Maybe they search the. Maybe they even do search the actual USPTO database, the trademark database. But that's not a sufficient search. So when you're starting a new brand, I always try to get people to at, at the bare minimum run an official trademark search because. That can also save you thousands of dollars down the road because the trademark office does not just look for direct word marks. They look for phonetically similar marks. So if you have a business or a brand name and 
you did look on Google or you did a basic search and you, you think, okay, I'm good to go. Like there's no other business out there. Well, that doesn't mean you're in the clear because there's still other phonetically similar names that could constitute trademark infringement. So that's why you want to run the search. And that will really provide you peace of mind with whether it be your new brand name, your new business, a course that you're coming out with, whatever it is that you think might need protection, you want to run a search on that because you don't want to spend you know, thousands of dollars investing in marketing materials, you know, building up this goodwill, building up this great brand, and come to find out all along you've been infringing on somebody else's trademark and you have to change your name. Yeah, all that for nothing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so how'd you come up with your business model? In other words, what makes you different than the traditional way that we would trademark something, the traditional way that we would check a trademark, make sure we're not infringing? Why is your business model different? So first of all, I'm 100% virtual. I do not have an office. So you're not paying for an actual office for me to sit in and you know play lawyer in all day. And then I run almost exclusively on a flat fee model. I do not do hourly billing. Number one, I don't like keeping up with my time because sometimes <laughs> it's I like just to easier. just... Yeah. And sometimes I just want to sit and maybe put on a TV show that's on the background and... Yeah, it's just a big headache keeping up with time. So that's that's pretty much the main reason why I work on a flat fee basis. But also hourly billing is not needed. It's a very archaic model. And I'm I'm guessing that in the near future, there will be very few law firms that still work on the hourly model. That will be the very big law firms that charge an arm and a leg for the simplest matters. So that's why I really, I'm trying to be unique and I'm not the front runner. I'm obviously not the first person to do a flat fee model, but I'm trying to let it be known that this is a model that small business owners definitely should be working with because there's no need to pay for hourly billing. There it's just it's ridiculous. It gets out of hand. So I do flat fees and I also have a subscription model. So mainly everything is flat fees and then I have copyright subscription. So this is for my designers. Anybody that has a lot of copyrightable works, we work on a subscription model and that really helps them out with paying one monthly fee to enforce their copyrighted works. And that includes like the DMCA takedowns, that's the copyright takedowns, letters, filings, all that stuff. It's all included in one fee because typically the startup is it takes a little longer to get started up with all that stuff. But once we get going monthly, it's a very smooth process. And again, like it's just it's easier to do it on a on a subscription model. How do people know if their business is ready for this? Like what size business should you be considering this? So any size business should be considering a search, the trademark search, just because you're starting somewhere and you don't want to start from the bottom and build this, you know, whether it be a million or billion dollar business, you don't want to build that and find out you wasted all that money while infringing on somebody else's on somebody else's trademark. Right. So, yeah, if you're any size business, I always try to recommend run a search as soon as possible, even if you don't even if you're not ready to trademark now or if you think you may never want to trademark that's perfectly fine. But you need to know that you're not infringing on someone else's trademark. Now, when should you actually file? 
I tell people, if you're on a budget and you are just starting out, don't worry about filing. That's not, you know, it's not an issue that needs to be taken care of right away if you're on a budget. So then I tell people, whenever you know, like, hey, I'm making money. This is working out for me. I, you know, I, I can see myself sticking with this business. Then that's the time to really consider trademarking your brand name. If you're coming out with courses, trademarking your course names, you know, your podcast names, that that type of stuff. Anything that's branding you, that needs to be protected with a trademark. Makes and then with copyrights, whenever you're creative, if you are a creative entrepreneur and you are creating you know, creative works that are protected by copyrights, you always need to be filing that. And most people don't know how simple it is to actually file for a copyright. And a copyright application is only $55. So when I tell people that and I, I show them how simple it is, they're just like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this sooner? So yeah, it, a lot of this stuff is not as hard or complicated as it seems to be. It's just a matter of actually becoming educated on it. Oh my God. And that's where so many of us lack. So I love that you're doing this. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit because you said something during the rapid fire that you said you're a big tipper. And this show talks a lot about money. It talks a lot about generosity, what role generosity has played in your success. So let me ask you, what role has generosity played in your success? I've had many, many mentors along the way. And I say along the way, I'm only 27. So I'd make myself sound older than I am. But... (laughs) My my short-lived career and my college career, I had a lot of mentors who have always been very generous with me, whether it be money-wise or, you know, just just helping me out in every way they can. So that's where I like to. That's where I like to be. It starts with tipping, just because I was, you know, I had several waitressing jobs in college. I mean, who didn't? But I, I loved those jobs and I loved the work. I loved getting to know people, but I also know how hard it can be. So my husband and I eat out several times a week. Um, I'm very lazy. We're both very lazy oh when God, it comes same to with us. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know that it can be a pain. I know they can be doing other things instead of waiting on us at 7 p.m. You know, they have I'm sure they have a family as well. And just tipping, I never feel bad about giving you know, 20, 30, 40% tip. It's it's just a no-brainer because they can be doing so many other things and here they are trying to support their family. And same thing goes with being a mentor. I firmly, firmly believe in community over competition. And anytime somebody asks me for any type of advice, I try to I try to do what I can. I feel like I'm still so young and Sometimes I'm like, I'm not really the person you want to be asking for advice, but this is what I think. So, I mean, I just try to be generous in whatever way I can because I know I wouldn't be where I am without generosity along the way. That's so good. Do you have a favorite moment of tipping or favorite moment of giving? I ask everyone that, by the way. Anytime my friends... like, It's always hard to ask family and friends for money, you know? But I, I mean, I've had a couple of friends that have... you know, They've just been in really hard spots and they didn't want to ask their parents. And my best friend, one time she asked me, uh, her, her car got towed and she asked me for the money. I was like, hell yeah. Like no big deal. Like, I don't care about that. Like, I'm not going to judge you for having your car towed. And even though your parents would yell at you, like, yeah, like let's go get your car towed or get your car out of tow. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So where can people find you? Where should they follow you? Where should they subscribe to anything you have to offer? And best of all, how can they 
you know, engage or check out your services? So I have an awesome blog. Uh, I'm a little biased, but I, I try to give out a lot of information <laughs> on my blog, which is at andreasager.com. Which is another form of generosity, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes. And I just give out as much free information as I can because I know I try to live, not live, but I try to, my business model now, I'm trying to do the whole Gary V jab, 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 right hook. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm constantly just putting out new blog posts with new information. And then... I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, all Andrea Sager Law, all all the same thing. So yeah, my blog and then social media. Very cool. All right. Last question I ask everybody is this. Give me a reason why people should be unapologetic about their pursuit of success or wealth. Because why else are you living? If you're not looking for success, then why else are you living? We're not put here to lead a, a mediocre life. Right. I love that. I love that. We're not, I don't think we're put here to struggle. I don't think we're put here to live an average life where we're keeping our head kind of, you know, down. And I really certainly know for a fact that we were put here to be as successful as we can so that we can pass that on to other people that haven't quite gotten there yet. I think that's really the way the system's supposed to work. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to help people out wherever I can. I love that. Andrew, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I know you've opened up my eyes to a lot of things. You're not going to have to talk offline about your services because I'm telling you, you are like a godsend (laughs) the way that you've structured your billing and everything else compared to the big firms that just are too intimidating to engage with or too expensive to engage with. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.